Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gays. It's the podcast where two Star Wars-loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. I'm your other host, Charles Rogers. And uh, as as Bradley said in the clip that no one heard, this is a show. This we is are a making show. a show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I uh, I have nothing nothing funny for an intro. Uh, I'm blanking. I'm just completely. I'm having I'm having a week. Uh, I'm li- we're literally recording this, and then I have to go in for tooth surgery in three hours. So basically, I'm, we're recording this, and then I'm rushing over to that. So I'm having a great weekend. How's your weekend, Bradley? I'm doing great because I am, well, I'm back to work, technically. Uh, we're Yay. gearing up for uh, production. We're actually pushing it a week because uh, we're still negotiating with one of our talent um, on their contract. So we can't actually start filming until they are uh, signing the dotted line and getting paid. Um, so we've just been getting the office ready this weekend. So that's been kind of fun. I get to just shop and spend money that's not mine. So that's always nice. <laughs> I I had a dream the other night that your like job actually made you super incredibly rich and you weren't <laughs> telling anyone. <laughs> And I was like, I know this is a dream because I know Bradley, if he would, if he had money to buy like Maseratis, he absolutely would do that. Or he'd buy like a life-size Grogu to put in his front room. I, I probably would do like, I think there's that one guy that exists. He has like every single piece of Star Wars memorabilia ever. And his whole house is just like a museum. And he's like, it's like, he's got all this weird stuff, like authentic pieces, like from the set of the movies and stuff. Like that's what I would do. I would make my there's, house a museum. <laughs> there's a whole network of collectors like there's some like they had a room at celebration uh but i can't i'm not as plugged into that community so i couldn't tell you like which one you're thinking of i know there's a couple of really big ones of people that like they have warehouses just full of star wars stuff yeah just stuff (laughs) just stuff stuff. uh speaking of capitalism Okay, good. That's my best that's my best transition yet. Speaking like speaking of capitalism, I guess we'll just dive into the episode. Uh reminder to everyone though before we do. As far as our Mando schedule goes, and I'll keep reminding people, as far as our Mando schedule goes, we want to give Bad Batch room to breathe, and we want to have a little bit of lead time on our Mando episode. So we are not going to be covering The Mandalorian right as it comes out. We are going to do all of this, and then later on this weekend or early this week, which is we're recording this the week that the first episode comes out, Bradley and I will record our episode zero. That episode will air in between our Bad Batch recap and Mando episode one. So we're going to go straight from Bad Batch into Mandalorian, but don't expect us to start covering the Mandalorian until like April. And then of course Celebration comes out and more things are coming out. Jedi Survivor is coming out soon. You've still never played Fallen Order. I, well, until they port it to the Switch, it's never going to happen. So it's that's what I'm, my current thought is. Which, I mean, theoretically could happen in 10 years if they feel like it. Like, I don't know what's wrong with them, but like, just do it. Everyone, I'm crowdfunding uh, for Bradley to buy him a halfway decent computer so that he can actually play Fallen Order. I might, I, genuinely, I might do that. <laughs> <laughs> until that's... then, I'll just have to 
just watch YouTube videos of, you know, all the cutscenes and that's it. Like nothing if else. We, if we start a Patreon, that's where our Patreon funds are going to go. Buying, buying Bradley <laughs> a computer that is technically adjacent to the podcast. There you go. And once again, speaking of capitalism, Bradley, do you want to take us into to this episode of The Bad Batch? Absolutely. So this week we're covering season two, episode 10, titled Retrieval. While attempting to recover a lost asset, the batch must learn to trust a thief. Charles, what is one thing you liked about this episode and one thing you did not? So I really liked how the entire episode was about systemic inequality and specifically the exploitation of workers under a essentially capitalist system. And I did like that the solution to that was to toss uh, the guy at the top off into the lava and institute a proffer-sharing, more worker-friendly environment. Uh, so I did like that quite <laughs> a bit. Uh, when uh, I'm going to tell this story now. So I sent Bradley a message last night, letting him know that the TikTok was done. And then I said, I don't normally send you like a copy of my notes for the episode, but I wanted to give you a preview. I sent him the title page to, to Das Kapital. So that should tell y'all where I'm at <laughs> with this episode. One thing I did not like, uh, I thought the balance of the episode was a little weird. I thought that the episode, whenever it was Benny, particularly when it split off into two, when Benny and Omega are, are sneaking into the control tower and the batch is in the garage, I felt like that was the episode had gotten a little bit weaker at that point. And I mm -hmm. thought it was because Benny and Omega are having these really interesting conversations and having like baby's first worker exploitative environment. <laughs> and then the batch is over here just doing like engine repairs and they're not yeah. really talking about anything that we don't we haven't already seen. So I thought that they could either have made most of the episode have to sneak together into the place, or they needed to give the batch something more substantial in those cutaways, like Hunter chases after the kids, and it only really matters because it gets Hunter in a position to save Omega, like it doesn't do anything for him as a character. So I thought some of the balancing was a bit weird, and some of the balancing was a bit off, and the show kind of didn't know what to do with the batch once Omega wasn't there, so... Uh, I maybe would have paced this episode a little differently, but overall, I really, really liked it. What about you, Bradley? One thing you liked and one thing you did not. What I did not like about this episode was that it was not combined with last week's episode. <laughs> I felt like if you just gave us a slightly longer episode you could have combined the two and it would have been like a nice like oh here's part one and part two kind of thing i i don't know i just didn't care for the fact that this was all where all the action and good stuff was and last week was kind of just character stuff and it wasn't any of the good stuff for me and what i liked about the episode though was i like benny I like Benny Barrow. I like the alliteration there. I love a good alliteration name. He's very comic booky name. But I also love that he's just like a, he's that fun, lovable, you know, Han Solo-like character where he's kind of a douche, but he's also like, you know, lovable in a way. Like, I don't know. It's really nice. I, I actually went looking to see if he's been in more things. Spoiler, he has not. This is the first time we're seeing him. He desperately needs to be. They need to put him in more stuff because he's just such a, he's one of those beautiful star beautiful star wars archetype characters that's like you look at him and you're like yeah that's a star wars character that's yeah. a character you get in a star wars you know he also kind of gave me like um like almost like backdoor pilot vibes like if they wanted to introduce
introduce a new character as a backdoor pilot, like, and be like, oh, here's a different show that we're going to do. This would be like kind of the character that they do. Like, oh, here's his kind of starting point, his origin. Like, now let's give him like an actual like adventure to go on or something. I mean, he's definitely going to come back based on his dialogue. My, my prediction is he's going to come back in the finale mm. or he's going to be involved in the finale in some way, shape or form. Because although it's weird because last season, the Sindulas were basically like, hey, if you need anything, let us know. Or the Bachelor. They never show up. If you need anything, and then they've never shown up again. Yeah. So I mean, it could could be similar. I maybe I just want to see more of him. I just I just like him a whole lot as a character. Alrighty. Well, let's dive into the episode. I don't have a lot of as many notes this time. Most of them are about how worker exploitation is bad. Did you know Disney cast members technically have a union? I feel like I heard about that a couple years ago. Yeah, they technically have a union. It's just so toothless that the Walt Disney Company can do whatever it wants. Yeah, that's just a fun fact for you. I've accepted that Disney's never going to hire me, despite my protests. Your best so efforts. <laughs> I just, I occasionally will be critical of the company. I mean, I'll I'll probably be critical of them until they hire me, and then I'll be a very good true. soldier. You know? That is true. If Disney wants <laughs> to pay me a boatload of money to shut up and go away. Absolutely. That's my dream job, is to be paid by major corporations to stop talking about them. Anyway... Let's talk about this episode. Yes. Uh, I want to do whose goddamn white baby is that right up front here. Uh, If you're you're just joining us, that is the section where I, a white person, uh, tells you how bad the Bad Batch's whitewashing is on my HDTV in the dark, which is the optimal way to watch the show. It's complicated this time around. It really honestly goes scene by scene. Like the first scene where they're all there, all of them look fine except for tech. Tech looks pretty washed out. But then like when you throw Benny into the mix, it starts to get really interesting because Benny genuinely is a white kid. Mm-hmm. And so putting him next to the batch, there's scenes, there's one in particular where they're they're looking over the plan. And if you look at the lighting, he's sitting like next to Omega. You, it's very clear that Omega is several shades darker than him. Mm-hmm. However, there is also scenes later on where if you kind of squint because of the lighting of those scenes and the fact that she's wearing her hat and you don't see a lot of her face, they kind of look around the same tone which is bad. So it's it depends scene by scene with this episode. There's points where you can tell that the Bad Batch is darker than Benny, and there's points where they still kind of look washed out. It really just depends on the lighting of the scene is looking like. Like the last couple were lit really, really well, and this one is a little bit off in places. So yeah. I'm gonna I'm not gonna say that uh the whole episode is bad all the way through, but it does have some rough points where I was like, those characters are looking a little close to each other for comfort. On to the uh, rest of the episode. Uh, Omega says, we forgot about Gonky, and my next note is, so did the show. (laughs) It's true. For like nine episodes. Yeah, I feel like somebody in the writer's room was like, hey, isn't there supposed to be like a robot on this ship? Like, what? what are, didn't we forget? Wasn't there one? I can't remember if there was one on there or not. <laughs> oh, gee, do do they do they have more than one robot? Are they allowed to have more than one droid? Right. Hmm. See, this is why I feel like Omega needs to get her own like Lola or like some kind of, you know, companion droid that's always with her so that we don't feel like they're not not having some kind of droid presence like or just like gonky do more or put gonky in the background of more i think that really was a failure of the first eight episodes of the show that we never saw gonky once for the entire first eight episodes of the show yeah that it it, they basically brought gonky up only for him to be super
super important two episodes later. I like, though, that our new character is able to just give him away to Benny and just be like, here you go. Here's here's a fucking <laughs> droid for you. Well, he immediately, uh, Mako immediately clocks it like, yeah, this droid sucks. Right. He's like, here why do I need go, a fucking dumbass. <laughs> and we'll, we'll get to Mako because I have lots of notes about Mako. <sighs> but I do love how they, uh, I do love how they use find my phone on Gonky. Like, that's how they, that's how they get the shit back is they run a find my phone on Gonky. That was hilarious to me. Let's talk about Benny, who's the guy who stole the ship. Would you like to know who is voicing Benny? Yes, please. So there's a whole episode I was like, I've heard this voice before. I know I've heard this voice before. Like, who the fuck is this? I know for a fact. Benny is voiced by a man named Yuri Lowenthal. You know how we we look at acting credits and I'll usually say if they have over like 150 or, or 200 acting credits, I'll point that out on IMDb because that's just the marker of someone who's had a really long and varied career. You want to guess how many acting credits Yuri Lowenthal has? He has... 32. Significantly higher than 32. <laughs> uh, how many would you say? Like 800 something? You're you're actually very close. Uh, currently, he has previous 784 acting credits okay. with six upcoming for a total of 790. So you were actually 10 off. Okay. I do not have the time to go through and find which of these I recognize him from because he's been in 800 separate things. This man is fucking everywhere. I know he's the voice of Peter Parker in the uh, Spider-Man games, uh, the Spider-Man uh, PlayStation game. In Star Wars land, Yuri Lowenthal, he's in Star Wars The Old Republic. Now, Wikipedia lists him as, quote, various characters, unquote. However, I can tell you because his voice is really distinctive. He's the voice of Torian Kadera, who's one of the uh, bounty hunter companions and then later plays a big role in Knights of of the, I think it's Eternal Throne. He's done some voice work for Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, Episode 8, The Last Jedi, Solo Star Wars Story. We don't know who he voiced in that. Uh, in Secret Cargo, he's Gold Leader. So he's in Gold Squadron. Shout out to... Shout out to Gold Squadron. Matt. Shout out to Gold Squadron. He's the voice of Gold Leader in Secret Cargo. Uh, he's done some voice work for Jedi Fallen Order. And all of these just list him as additional voices or various characters. So I don't know exactly who he played in them, but he's done Star Wars before. Yeah, <laughs> this man is just in fucking everything. I think he normally voiced like anime shonen protagonists. So like if you're you're watching an anime in English and the shonen protagonist is a shonen protagonist, there's a good chance that that person was voiced by Yuri Lowenthal. Nice. Gonk can apparently say things besides Gonk. It doesn't sound right to me. It sounds completely wrong. It's like Gonky is a Pokemon, okay? He can only say his name. I, he's not allowed to say anything else. I don't like it. That would be stupid. He can't do anything. No, I refuse to believe that he can speak other things besides Gonk. Nope. He's He can say other things besides Gonk. And that was a jump scare when that happened. <laughs> I thought that was somebody like speaking behind him or I thought yeah. that was Mako like speaking as he was walking. No, no, Gonky can just say other things. Like Gonky can speak in 
tattoos, apparently. I don't like that. I, I'm i not sure how I feel about that. Because I don't his like whole the point idea is he's of my just room a... of being able to talk. Right, he's just a fucking battery. So it's like, he's allowed to just say his name and that's fine. And, you know, I don't, he doesn't need to tell us like, hey, the weather outside today. He's on Alexa. He's like, he's just, a, he's a battery. I, that absolutely threw me. Like, it was too much. Mako shows up. Mako is being voiced by Resistance and Bad Batch mainstay Jonathan LaPel. We've discussed him before. Uh, they just apparently seem to like working with this guy, and he is having an absolute ball as Mako. Before I get into it, what did you think of Mako as a character, Bradley? Um, I like him because he's this very stereotypical big boss, you know, gluttonous kind of character. It's great. Uh, they did a really good job of him. I do. We, have we seen this alien before? That is a good question because I was watching it. It looks semi-familiar, but I couldn't tell. This was the thing Charles didn't research because I meant to look this up because mm. I thought he was like just a really gross Zygerian. That's what I that's what I was thinking, but they don't that's specify. What I they don't specify on Wikipedia, so I yeah, can't I tell. Just, I just pulled it up and I can't tell. Like, then I remembered, oh, the Zygerians have different models now in Bad Batch that they look a little bit cleaner. And this is clearly not a Zygerian. So, no, I don't think we've seen this alien before. And that is a choice that I like. Like, he's a bigger guy, but yeah. he's not like, he's not like Orn Free Taw. I did like the mm. choice to make him a big guy and have him have the cybernetics and stuff, but not make him like this morbidly obese man. I thought that was, that was nice. Yeah, 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 they, yeah. they didn't lean that far into it. Yeah, you're right. He's not really hairy enough to be like a Zygerian. Right. So I don't There's know what he is. Something else we don't know what. Unless, unless he's a variation of the Zygerian, which is like a naked Zygerian cat person. <laughs> he's a Bingus Zygerian. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've seen Bingus, you know what I'm, do you know what I'm talking about? What's Bingus? It's like a, it's a, it's an online way for referring to a Sphinx cat. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, like a hairless Sphinx. Like, like a hairless Sphinx yeah. cat. That, that's what yeah. he looks like. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking he is. So he's just a hairless Zygerian. He's capitalist Bingus. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I'm going to hell. Okay, let's talk about some of Mako's tactics here because spoilers for the rest of this Gold Squadron game episode i think the way that they did this was really good because it really highlights how insidious worker exploitation can be it's not just that mako is working these kids to death in the mine he's doing it in a lot of very specific ways to psychologically condition his workers which is both extremely creepy and very accurate. As someone who has worked in several major corporations, a lot of them do this. And the first indicator we have of this is they introduce the idea in this initial scene of the top earner. The idea of making the kids compete with each other for a reward. Because right. if the kids are competing against each other, they're not forming a unified front against Mako. We see at the end of the episode they could all take Mako if they worked together. But because he has them so focused on being the top earner, to the point where Benny's stealing a random ship on the off chance that it might get him that position, and we'll get to that in a couple of scenes, they they can't form up against him. So that right off the bat is a really insidious like way of doing things. Bradley, when, when you worked in retail, did they have something like this? in the store yeah so we like because you were uh, an assistant manager i think i was uh we i i don't want to say the name of the company but we uh it was a very similar situation where it was like everybody you could see everybody's sales and percentages like on the screen like on our little computers and so you could see who 
was doing well and who was not doing well. And it was there for everybody else to see. So it's kind of a tactic of like shaming you, but also like, hey, incentivizing you. Like if you win, like this is what you get. Like I remember we would have contests every other couple months and it was like, hey, if you win, you get a, a physical item for free. You know, if you win, if you're one of the top earners or, you know, or during the holidays, like during like certain like things, they would be like, oh, well, if you sell X amount of this or X amount of this, then you'll win like a prize and you'll get money. You know what I mean? They, they, they're very, it's very psychologically based. It's, it's very interesting. Yeah. And I know that one of the companies I previously worked at, like, yeah, every so often they would do drives, like you have to sell a certain amount of product or they would institute quotas where, mm-hmm. you know, you had to sell a certain amount of, of product, uh, which I was always terrible at because I found the product we were selling deeply unethical, particularly the way that they were trying to encourage us to sell it. So I was always bad at them, but like some of the other people in my building, they would become like obsessed with being the top earner. Like, and I'm like, you can't see how you're being exploited here, this. So even just right at the beginning when he brings up the idea of there being a top earner, yeah, that's a that's a worker exploitation tactic uh, in order to keep your workers competing with each other and focused on a goal and not seeing how you're taking advantage of. But he also, he does another thing in the first scene, which is uh, bad, which I want to talk about, which he introduces the idea of like, Mako always takes care of his crew and like he's constantly reinforcing this idea, which again is a thing that a lot of like large companies will do to where they'll send out these emails. Hell, the fucking Walt Disney Company does this, where they'll send out their emails to cast members and stuff and be like, we appreciate all the hard work that you're doing. This company wouldn't exist without you. You are the backbone of everything we do. And it's like, then pay them a livable wage, give them benefits, give them appropriate paid time off. Like, exactly, I have a lot no. of thoughts about this. It's so funny that you say that because I'm so I'm rewatching Superstore, which I tend to do often because it's like one of those things that you just rewatch like The Office or something. And I've in the later show is really good. It's so good. And in the later seasons, it's uh, they really focus heavily on trying to form a union. Um, that's kind of one of the main storylines of like the later I love seasons. that for them. It's so funny because like they they get all like excited about forming a union, like getting benefits and stuff. And then corporate comes in and is like, here's a cereal bar you know like for your break room and they're like oh my god the company really cares (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny yep and it's it's that pithy little email that the ceo always sends out that you know the ceo didn't write again i'm not i'm not gonna say which company but i did previously work for a company that did this a lot where they would constantly send emails, quote, from the CEO talking about how valuable mm. everyone was. And I'm like, I uh, I am so many rungs below you on the totem pole. You don't even know I exist. Like, right. come on, man. So the Bad Batch uh, manages to find my phone on Gonky. I do like how how Wrecker, when they get to Gonky and they capture Benny, Wrecker's like, hey, Gonky, are you okay? And Gonky's like, gonk. I was like, I like it. They really do care about Gonky, which is weird given that they forgot he existed for eight episodes. It's, I think it's it's just the Bad Batch writers just trying to, like, save face. They're like, okay, how can we convey? No, 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 we really like Gonky. We, <laughs> we really promise. <laughs> we promise they really like Gonky. Yeah, I know but... you haven't. You only saw him two episodes ago. Right. But I promise we really like him. They head over to, like, the mine itself. And Benny mentions that the Techno Union was forced out. And now that just got my brain thinking because I was like, 
This is a fully operational mine. How did the Techno Union get forced out of here exactly? Was this done during the Clone Wars? Was this done by the Empire? What happened to the Techno Union after the Clone Wars? Because we don't really see them. They're popping up again in the recent issue of the, of the Vader comics, but that's 25 years from now. We also we saw that the Commerce Guild and the Banking Clan were, were still involved in the Imperial Senate. So, like, they got slaps on the wrist, but, like... What happened to the techno union? I have questions. They went broke, I guess. I mean, and I'm sure, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm absolutely positive that me saying, oh, we don't really see the techno union again for another 25 years when they go back to, I think they were, they, they were just on Scarrow or they're currently on Scarrow in the Vader comics right now. I'm sure that when I say that, someone is going to tag me probably in the divas discord and pull a me on me well actually we saw them in the novel that takes place in between a new hope and empire strikes back uh so we actually saw them they were mentioned on page 34 and like i actually do think it is very funny when people can pull that on me because i pull that on chris so often <laughs> that we have to separate separate it off into its own thread to not clog up their discord <laughs> if i'm wrong please tell me well i just come up with my own like th theory you can just say that like if the techno union is more like a company rather than you know what i mean you could just say like well anakin killed the ceo so he just he did yeah so then the company just fell apart that's all <laughs> that's all that happened that's that's my theory so according to wikipedia interestingly enough i mm -hmm. i just decided to look Do at this live research yeah yeah it does look like the techno union was dissolved after the Clone Wars. Looks like there the Commerce Guild and the Banking Clan got a slap on the wrist. Techno Union got dissolved and they awarded their refineries to the Mining Guild. So I'm not sure who it, yeah, I'm not sure if they're still around, hmm. like in some form by the, I have to go back and reread the Vader comics then with Jewel Tambor, that's everything that's going on right then that Bradley doesn't know about, but it does look like as per Wikipedia, they were dissolved at the end of the Clone Wars. There you go. Uh, I did check the timing of the exhaust scene uh, where they go down and is like, oh, he has one minute uh, and then 30 seconds and then five seconds. I did check the timing and it does match. This is just a thing for me. Like whenever they say you have one minute to do this or we have two minutes before detonation, right. I'll always time it and like about 85% of the time it's off. By a couple of seconds it's like when they usually like in movies and stuff when they go underwater they have to hold their breath it's like if you you like sit there and you hold your breath while they're oh doing i do it, that i do that never all the matches time. up never it matches never up. matches it is always impossible to hold <laughs> impossible. your breath for that long and they're actually moving and stuff like you're just sitting there watching and not moving so it's a little easier to hold your breath longer if you don't move but like still like you never you can never do it you can never do it i've never been able to do it for like any scene of anything that i've ever watched they head down the exhaust thing and into the mine and we get our look at some of the other kids who are working pause i need to take an l but i'm very happy to be able to take it i was really worried this was the shots of the kids working we saw in the the trailer was going to be the clone kids mm-hmm I was wrong. That prediction was inaccurate. I do think it says a lot about the issues with the whitewashing of Boba's model in the Clone Wars that I could mistake these kids for clones in the trailer. 
However, uh, these kids are not, in fact, clones. I like how you traded one sin for another and you're like, well, there's not a whitewashing problem, but there is a child labor problem and they're well, not afraid a, to show well, that. There is, there is a whitewashing problem, but not with these specific kids. Right. So I was like, okay, good, good. Maybe we will see the clone kids again and they'll be a little bit darker this time. But the, yeah, Boba in the Clone Wars, if you go back and watch the Clone Wars, it's really noticeably apparent that he is many, many shades lighter than Daniel Logan. So I was worried that these were going to turn out to be the clones. I am delighted to report that, in fact, they were not. And they dodged it this time. Now back to the child labor. <laughs> uh, Benny has a line which I find really interesting when they're watching. Oh, he's talking about the Ipsium mines are drying up and Mako's had to cut their wages. And he ends by saying, well, at least we're still working. Yikes. Because I heard during the pandemic, I heard a lot of people who were like being treated terribly by their jobs be like, well, at least I still have a job. Buddy, Ugh. that is an attitude that they want you to have. That's literally most of America's attitude. <laughs> yeah. They're like, well, well at least I have a fast food job, like, instead of nothing, like, you know. It's inherently baked into the system of capitalism and also in making workers on a broad scale compete with each other. Because if you feel like you have to compete with every other worker just to have a job to give you some money, then, again, you're less likely to recognize that the system itself is exploiting you to its own benefit. The whole, just shut up and smile and be happy with the job that you have. Don't advocate for better conditions. Uh, don't go for a better job. Don't have any value in yourself as a worker. Just shut up and smile and flip the burger and be screamed at by middle-aged women over the counter uh, because their chicken nuggets were just a little bit too warm when they got to them. Just accept it. <laughs> I have a lot of feelings about this episode. As somebody who worked in food service too, although fortunately I never worked at a fast food place. But my best friend did, and he told me some horror stories. He used to work night shift at a fast food restaurant, and he was like, oh yeah, it was, it was a disaster. They get into the garage. Benny and Omega are going to go to the central tower. I like how when Benny's like, oh, Omega can come with me, Hunter kind of looks over at her, and it's not like, oh, I don't trust her to go, or I'm concerned about her. He's like, just keep an eye on him. Like, Hunter's fine with letting her go at this point, and I think that's a, a subtle showing of the character development of the relationship between Hunter and Omega. And we'll also see later on when Omega's plummeting, uh, we also see just how much she and Hunter trust each other at this point. So I thought that was, that was a nice little Hunter moment. We then get a scene where uh, Mako is consuming food, which is a little on the nose. Yeah. Little, we're making our point a little hard, Bad Batch. Also, it's like, why... I'm just from a realistic perspective. Why would he have that much fucking food that much? Like, it's just like, are you really that hungry or you just love the gluttonous excess that you have? Like, I just don't understand. It seems like he loves the gluttonous excess because he doesn't seem like he's trying to consume any of the food in particular. He's just consuming. Like, yeah. he's just enjoying the act of consuming, which is a commentary <laughs> definitely yeah, it's uh, such a weird very on the nose yeah and like i watched when i got around to watching it on my tv because i actually watched it on my phone first 
just because it's been such a rough week that I I wasn't able to sit down and watch The Bad Batch on my TV until my third viewing when my boyfriend and I watched it together. But when I, when I finally got around to watching it on my TV, that room is just jam-packed with food, but it's like gross. Like it's food that's been sitting there for a minute. So it's like running down the side of the shelves and it's like barely stacked on and he doesn't care about like spilling right. any of it. Contrast later on, we'll see Drake, uh, like, start eating the food out of his top earner bowl, and then he'll, like, suck it all down like a drink, so that he makes sure he gets all of it, and I'm like, oh, we're really, we're really hammering this home. Anyway, let's talk about Drake. Okay. Drake is voiced by a gentleman named uh, Alex Lee, A-L-E-X Lee, looks like he does a lot of voice acting work. Uh, most notably, the thing that I found that people would know him from, I don't know him from this, but my understanding of the show, he's a very big character. He's the voice of Zenitsu Agatsuma on Demon Slayer, uh, which I'm told is a major character on that show. Could be wrong, I've always wanted to watch Demon Slayer, but I've never gotten around to it. He's He does some voices for Raya and the Last Dragon... He's in my least favorite anime of all time, Sword Art Online. Uh, I do not like that show. Anyway, that's who's voicing Drake. He's also a very pretty man. I just wanted to throw that on there. When I was looking at him on, when I was looking at uh, looking him up on IMDb, I was like, damn, that is a very pretty man. Benny has his line about like, I'm working my way up, which again, this is a thing in actual capitalism to where if you constantly dangle your when he's talking to Drake, if he's constantly dangle like potential of advancement in front of people, they'll work harder. Yeah. Just wanted to point out that that's another thing. Can you tell that I don't like capitalism very much? Hmm. Uh, it didn't cross my mind, but I know I you were a fan. I, yeah, I'm like, I really, I really seem pro capitalist. Like I really seem deeply in love with corporate culture. Uh, so I know this is a surprise. I know that I've certainly never criticized capitalism or corporate culture ever before on this show. Unrelatedly, we never covered Andor. So I know this is a complete shock. Benny ends up losing the top earner spot despite having brought the ship. And I just want to read my note verbatim about this, this moment. Quote, it's almost like the top earner is deeply corrupt and arbitrary. End quote. <laughs> It's almost like the top earner spot is dictated by Mako's whims and he's going to keep giving it to the same people in his inner circle because there is no actual potential for advancement. He just wants people to think there's potential for advancement and his top earner spot is just a way of awarding people who are already close to him. It's almost like the system is made up of cronies and is deeply fucking corrupt. However, there are no politics in Star Wars. So Benny and Omega are having a conversation about how um, worker exploitation is deeply unethical uh, and that workers should have basic necessities like food. <laughs> Which, pause, love how that's a sentence I get to say about the fucking Bad Batch. Where eight or six or seven episodes ago we were doing haha what if funny racer droid. I love that these two things exist in the same show. But Benny like talks about because she basically says, well, like you could leave and, and do whatever you want. And he's like, I mean, this is all I know, which is another thing. If you keep your workers isolated and you keep them isolated long enough, eventually they won't be able to do anything else. 
besides the thing that you specifically train them and given the experience to do. They won't want to leave. They won't want to leave. They won't feel like they're able to leave. They won't feel like they're able to do anything else. Like you run into this issue too with people who've like left a job and they've been working at the job for an extended period of time. And they find that all that experience that they got in that job doesn't mean shit anywhere else. If you have to start basically at entry level in another position and it's like, that sucks. Uh, back in the hangar, uh, Tech Tech briefly tries to make this conversation far more interesting than it actually is uh, by pointing out a direct link between this worker exploitation and the systems of fascism that we're seeing the Empire set up throughout the show. Again, I'm genuinely surprised that all of this is happening in a Bad Batch episode. They're trying. They're trying! And this they're time trying. they're trying really hard. Because two episodes ago we did, um, or no, three episodes ago, we did veterans treatment by the government right. uh, in a post-war environment. Uh, and this time we're doing worker exploitation and specifically its connections to fascism. And again, this is the Bad Batch. <laughs> the Bad Batch has suddenly decided it wants to be about a fuckload of things. Right. Remember how I joked all the way back in episode two that Rampart saw Andor and was like, Oh shit, that's how I'm supposed to act. I feel like all of the characters watched Andor and was like, oh shit, we're supposed to be about something. Yeah, it's not just pretty scenery anymore. We gotta have substance to us. Which I, I love that Tech draws a direct link between the Empire and what Mako is doing here. And I know that kind of the point is like, oh... They're just using it on a small scale, and it's exactly the same systems. But the leap that follows from that, that the show doesn't make but I will, is that corporate structure and worker exploitation and fascism and authoritarianism use a lot of the same tactics. So this is all in our show with the funny gonk droid. Um, I love it. I love it. Who needs kids shows anymore? <laughs> My next note is the Bad Batch learns that uh, managers are bad. Yes. <laughs> Which, Which I find this so funny that, that this show is suddenly wants to be about things oh i i think it's gonna be foreshadowing for them they're gonna be like hmm, they're like weird our employer treats us incorrectly uh look how these guys are being treated by their employer so it's like hmm that's an interesting point here? that's an interesting point you bring up because uh the relationship between sid and the batch has come up several times in fact there was that random mm -hmm. scene at the end of the last episode where they call her right. for a retrieval and that scene, like, does nothing and goes nowhere retroactively. Like, I expected Sid to show up at the end of this episode. Nothing happened, yeah. Didn't. Um, it meant that scene ended up meaning nothing whatsoever. Uh, it Narratively, in these two arcs, it would have accomplished the same thing if they'd just never been able to reach her. Now, right. in the overall structure of the show, I think it was important to reinforce the difference is both the fact that Sid is very similar to Mako and also that there are some key differences between Sid and Mako. Because I think Hope's right when she was on our episode uh, on Faster. I do think something's going to happen with Sid, like Sid's going to betray them and then feel bad about it and then come back to rescue them. Uh, Mako captures Omega. They have this whole confrontation on the bridge. I don't like how Omega gets captured and dangled over the edge. Yeah, it's I very felt like damsel. I literally have the word damseled in my note. Yeah, I didn't I like how she was damseled. I did like how she pulled the droid down with her 
And I also did like how when she falls, she stretches her hand out, like, just because she knows Hunter's going to come catch her. But I didn't like that she was in this position. Uh, I did not think that was a good story choice. Benny shows up and is like, oh, you were lying to us. The profits were going up and you were keeping them all along. And then we have baby's first workers revolution. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. My boyfriend was literally watching this scene and he was like, yes, do a communist revolution. (laughs) This is what happens when you can actually see the profit numbers and see everything. This is what happens when you have corporate transparency. Transparency, um, right. Is is you get a workers revolution, which is correct and good. And I support them in all of the things they're doing in this episode. I wish that they had shoved Benny, uh, not Benny. I wish they had shoved Mako into the lava. Uh, but I do understand this is a kid show and the kids have to be like morally, morally, you know, decent people so that the children in the audience who are projecting onto them can not feel like they murdered a guy. However, I do think they should have murdered the guy. Like just me personally, yeah. I would have liked it better if they'd shoved their exploitative boss into the lava. But it is enough for me that he falls into the lava. It's a it's a very Disney death for those who have seen any Disney movie where the villain falls into a chasm of nothing and you don't know what happens to them after they fall. They die. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, but Disney doesn't show it because that would be bad for kids. Nope. They just drop this guy into the <laughs> lava, which I think is correct. Okay. And if that wasn't enough, we have the next scene where Benny's explaining, like, what are they going to do next? And he's literally like, yeah, we're just going to divide all the profits up equally. I'm like, you literally, bad bat, bad bat, look at me. Why did you write a communist revolution into your story? I don't know. I'm so confused as to how you got away with this. Like, you're so close. You're so close, the Bad Batch. You just push this a little bit further. It's like, hmm, yes, maybe workers should uh, should see the benefit of their labor and be entitled uh, to the spoils of the their labor that they do. Uh, and it all shouldn't just remain at the top with the guy who's managing everyone. Right. Uh, hmm, just saying, just saying. My next note is Benny's definitely coming back. I can see it, but I can also see them just not. I can see them completely forgetting about him. Yeah, exactly. I can see them completely forgetting about him. Well, it's the same thing with Gunji, right? Like, they were like, oh, here's a character that you know. Like, let's bring him back in the show and be like, oh, he's important in this episode. But, like, maybe he'll be important later. Let's maybe come back later. But Gunji, Gunji, they didn't explicitly. (laughs) You got to remember that every frame of animation you're seeing on the screen represents thousands of dollars, (laughs) if not tens of thousands of dollars. Right. So... If they include something in the episode, like, for example, Benny saying, if you need anything, call me. I do feel like they put that in there for a reason. I could see them doing it, but maybe if not this season, maybe next season or something like that. You know what I mean? It is possible, too, that he'll come back next season. But I really do think, because remember, Hope said that somebody, somebody had mentioned that there was something in every single one of these episodes that was going to be important later. Mm. I think Benny's going to be important later. Okay. I also want to see more of him. You know who I want to see hanging out? Benny and Haja. Mm. I want a comic series about Benny and Haja running around doing like after the events of Obi-Wan Kenobi, like an adult Benny and Haja running around doing like Robin Hood type shit where they steal from the Empire and from corporations uh, and con them 
uh, and and like give them to the disenfranchised. I want to see that. Where's that? And then Reva turns up occasionally when they need somebody like an Imperial <laughs> killed. And she shows up and she's like, uh, yeah, actually just throw them, throw her on the team. Let's get this team Why going. Not? Let's just have a weird Guardians of the Galaxy as a mashup like, of all these characters. Oh. Anyway, I want I want that. Give me that. Because I just want to see this character interacting with Benny and Haja. Or with Haja. I love it. That's my pitch for a comic. Lucasfilm, mm. I know I'm very, very critical of your parent company, the Walt Disney Corporation. However, for a paycheck, I will stop. Absolutely. <laughs> Pay me. I will stop. If, if I can put Lucasfilm on my business card, then I will absolutely shut up and take the money. <laughs> I will take the money. <laughs> I have very few few scruples when it comes to lucasfilm uh my final note is that this whole episode and particularly the ending reminded me a lot of the ending of rise of skywalker where the whole there's more of us poe moment oh uh, okay i see and they're like oh they don't have a navy it's just people like one of the only unequivocally i can't argue that it's not good things in the finale of that movie uh where everybody shows up and it's like it's just the galaxy got sick of your shit yeah it reminded yeah. me of that so it was that. very thematically star wars anyway that was an episode on why capitalism and <laughs> corporations are bad um loves it i did like how tech at the end is like you know there's people like us out there too which is very good and very affirming yeah overall just great episode thematically Little clunky on the execution, but man, am I here for what this episode specifically is saying. I like it. I just, I just love the phrase baby's first workers revolution. That's how I'm describing this episode to people because I think it's funny. Bradley, what were your final thoughts on this, this episode? You know, I, I love a good workers union comp in Star Wars uh, adventure. Definitely a fun time. I did. Like I said, I love Benny. I think he's a fun character. I'd like to see him again. I mean, I don't love like whenever people automatically ship people just because they're the same similar age. So I feel like I've seen like Omega Benny romance heterosexual bullshit and I don't want that. So um <laughs> Uh, no more heterosexual shipping. Um, fortunately, now very luckily, uh, I run in the circles on Twitter mm -hmm. where um, I haven't seen that. Uh, firstly, because, you know, heterosexual, gross. gross. Uh, secondly, because they are literally children. Right. To which That's I'm true. like. Well, see, they're kind of more like teenagers. At this if, point. if you age them up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I know the temptation will be there for people, but I fortunately have not seen anyone shipping uh, Benny and Omega. Okay, so good. I'm I'm pretty happy with my Twitter feed. Good job, my Twitter feed, for Your not <laughs> showing me any of that. I know it's probably out there. Well, I mean, if I, it exists, there's a. But I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, what are your final thoughts? Unions are good, uh, and you should petition for one at your workplace if you don't already have one. And it is the official position of this show that we support the Starbucks workers and the Amazon workers in their battle to unionize against the corporations. Uh, so that is my final thoughts on this episode. I like it. All right. Next week, we will do uh, another. What is next week's episode called? So next week is interesting. So this is why it's going to be a complicated week because this is Mandalorian premieres 
this week uh, which again with the next we're, episode we're recording our episode zero for mandalorian either right. tomorrow or before we watch it absolutely we it, but we're not covering the mandalorian until we are finished with the bad bat and then we right. will go back because that also it gives us a little bit of lead time it gives us a little bit of breathing room it lets us know the entire breadth of the series although we're going to do our thing where we pretend we haven't seen the rest of it and it lets us ideally fingers crossed i just sent out some emails last night lets us get some guests that we wouldn't normally be able to get on short notice right and next week is also called metamorphosis so this is the week where this could be two things one or two storylines that i'm guessing um my guess is it's either the crosshair episode that they've been teasing for a while some kind of change for him right or metamorphosis could theoretically also be sid now changing uh, and betraying the Bad Batch in some way is also a nice theory that they could do. Also, this is since this is the episode that's taking place on the same day as The Mandalorian, I don't know if it's going to be like a slightly weaker episode only because they don't want to necessarily not... I mean, or the, it could be a fantastic fucking episode and they just have two hours of amazing star wars to like give us it'll be about know. an hour it'll be about an hour and something minutes because the mandalorian is usually about 45 minutes to 50 minutes long and then right bad batch is usually about 25 to 28 minutes long so who knows uh, i don't know i will i will say um I, I did just Google it. Uh, unfortunately, we don't normally talk about, you know, leaks or spoilers on the show, uh, but I did find that the first line of the script for next week's episode uh, did actually leak online, and I'm, I'm going to read it to you now, Bradley. Okay. Uh, as Crosshair awoke one morning from easy, uneasy dreams, he found himself transformed in his bed into a giant insect. Gigantic insect. Mm, I don't think that's true. Okay. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> on that note, uh, we will see you guys next week. And Bradley, go ahead and run the socials. Thank you for listening to Gold Squadron Gaze. Did Charles fuck something up? Send us a message at goldsquadrongaze at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Gold Squad Gaze. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Gold Squadron Gaze. Subscribe to us on YouTube at Gold Squadron Gaze, where we post the podcast as well as exclusive content. Please join us next week and every week for more of Gold Squadron Gaze. I was just listening to a podcast episode, actually, about the guy who founded the Illuminati, like oh. the real Illuminati. They actually end up like he ends up going to a completely different country. I think he goes to like Switzerland or something. The government of that country ends up paying him a yearly salary to not make any more secret societies. <laughs> so his job becomes don't make any more secret societies. I like it. I like that.